The following podcast is an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota. You can find out more by visiting harvestrochester.org. I had an introduction planned, and uh, you know, Brett and I really talked about the service, this high-impact service where we wanted you to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, to practice what we learned last week, and um, I feel like that's happened. Um, but if it hasn't happened for you, I just invite you back to the second service, right? So that you could just take another run at that and worship the Lord, whatever it is that would be hindering you in your spirit. Um, you know, again, right? What was our theme verse for the series? Oh, oh, right? With passion and desperation. Oh, that you, God, would rend the heavens. Remember that the heavens are the barrier between me and God. And uh, that barrier isn't on God's account. That barrier is my thing, right? We all know that, right? No? Yeah? Yeah? Like when it, whenever I'm away from God, I know it was me. I know it wasn't him, right? And that barrier is me. And uh, he wants to, he longs to uh, rend the heavens, remove the barrier, and come down. That the mountains, remember I said last week that the mountains are the thing that's in your life that you're like, you feel so small about, you can't change it. I don't know how I'm going to conquer this whether it's marriage or kids or job or you, you, you fill in the blank. It's like, this is a mountain. I can't, oh, <laughs> yeah. That the mountains might quake at his presence, right? So you came to church today. I don't know what you brought in, but hopefully through the worship service, you've left it behind so you're ready to listen to the word of God, right? Last week, unashamed worship, I just want to reiterate, right? Unashamed worship is realizing I have a worship problem, it's called idolatry, right? It's, it's, it's an idolatry problem. I have things that I'm putting above God, it's an idolatry problem. So I need a worship breakthrough. I hope that you had that, experience that. Again, I invite you back to the second service if that didn't take place for you. Please, a worship breakthrough, Lord, and it's called repentance. It comes through repentance, and I know people don't want to repent. People don't want to like say they did anything wrong. But I'm telling you, it's so freeing, right? And now I worship completely. Now I worship completely and pointing others to Christ. Because when I worship in spirit and truth, I'm now pointing others to Christ. People are like, I want that. That's contagious. Whatever he has, whatever they have. Maybe you came to church today and you're like, I don't know what they have, but I want it. That's a good thing, Right? because we want you to have it. We want the Holy Spirit to reign in your life like he's reigning in our life. And so last week, uh, we talked about unashamed adoration. It's what brings the glory down. When God's people come together and they're like, you're awesome, God, and we are not. I just want to admit to you again today, God, how amazing you are and how insignificant I am. That you would even choose to use me in preaching the word or in whatever other avenue we find ourselves to, to proclaim God's glory. Uh, whatever you see fit to do, God, do it. I adore you. Unashamed adoration. Today, okay, today, everybody say today. today. All right, today is a hard message. For me, not for you. You're like, this is great. For me, it's hard. I got to preach about preaching. Like, all the things I've done wrong for the last five years, I'm going to say are wrong now, all right? It's like, yo, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't add any of your words. It should only be God's word. Like, all the stuff I've been a bozo about for the last five years, I get to preach about. And you're like, he's such a hypocrite. I, yes. Yes, I am. You can't practice what you preach perfectly. Do you know that? Until we get in our glorified body, we're saying, this is the standard. This is God's word. Let's go. And then you're like, all right. And then you're like, I stumbled and scraped my knee up again. I wanted to preach this way, but I preached that way. Ah! And so I've been lamenting all week. Uh, but to be faithful to God, I had a different introduction plan, but God gave me something as we were singing that I think goes with the worship we had. So let me just say this and uh, be faithful to the Lord, and then I'll move on. I had to look this up on my wife's phone because I don't even have internet on my phone, and then I texted it to myself. But this is the hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. I just couldn't get it out of my mind as we were singing. And I think it's really relevant to the message as well. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. This is what you say, God? Oh, I believe it. 
just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to rest. I'm just going to rest in your promise. And to know, thus says the Lord. That's the kind of preaching we want to have. Here's what God says. Here's what we're going to do. Thus says the Lord preaching. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Let me pray that we'll have the grace to trust God more. Father, your spirit gives and gives and gives. It's like a flood. It's like a tide that's rising in us, and we're grateful. And God, we just want to trust you today. We want to deactivate our inner lawyer. We want to shut down anything that would be hampering us, and we want to just listen. This is your word. This is what you say. We want to listen. We want to be attentive. And we want to do what you're calling us to do. I pray that we would. I pray that we would do it for your honor and glory. Because you are strong and powerful in your mighty name. Thank you for showing us Jesus Christ, your son. The example we follow. It's in his name I pray. Amen. All right, open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, while you're turning there, maybe I'll just ask you this. Uh, who's your uh, favorite preacher in the Bible? Anybody? Favorite preacher in the Bible? Paul? Okay, Paul's a good preacher. Uh, Jesus, thanks for the Sunday school answer, Kendall. I appreciate it. You knew I was going to get you to that. You said it so reluctantly, like I have to say it because it's true, but... You're going to call me a bozo, right? Sorry. There's some of those things I've said in the past messages that I should have kept my mouth shut on. All right? Yes. Jesus. Yes. Paul. Yes. Peter. Right? Peter's messages in Acts. We're going to be studying that in a couple weeks, and it's powerful preaching. Who's your favorite preacher now? Who's the best preacher you've ever heard? And I'm not thinking me, but like, think somebody else. Think bigger. Think better. The guy you hear online, right? The guy that's on radio and TV. And I was thinking about all that, right? I was thinking about preachers and who I like. And, and then I was thinking about the book, the Vertical Church book. You can pick yours up in the, in the lobby. Um, we want everybody to read this. Okay, it goes along with our series. And I was reading chapter... Uh, six in the book about unapologetic preaching. And I was reminded again this week that it's not about the preacher. It's not about the messenger, but it's about the message, right? And I want that to be clear today. I want, to, I want it to be clear that what gets us out of the bed in the morning, what brings me back to church is not Steve Diedrich. And it's not the worship team. And it's not any other, it's not the kids ministry. What gets me out of bed in the morning and what gets me here to church every Sunday is the word of God. It's the Bible itself. And we're given our life to know and to do what the Bible says. I just wanted that to be clear. It's all about God's word. So it's not uh, lost on me that one of our favorite preachers in the Bible, Paul, right? One of the top three, we'll say, in the New Testament, uh, is saying to his protege, the guy that he taught how to preach, in the last chapter of the last book, he's written like 13 out of the 27 books, right? And in the last chapter of the last book, 2 Timothy 4, he says to Timothy, here's what you really, really need to be about. Here's what you really, 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 really need to keep your finger on, your pulse on. Don't lose this. You can lose a lot of things, but don't lose this. Let me read it for you. Chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing, did you know one day God's coming back? Yeah, he is. And his kingdom, he's coming back to reign forever. 
Here it is. Preach the word. You might underline those words in your Bible. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, healthy doctrine. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to stir their own passions. Tell me what I want to hear, pastor. Tell me what I want to hear, preacher. And will turn away from the listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That's what's going to happen. Or you might say, that's what has happened. Right? This was written a long time ago. And as I look around, without judging, right, I look around and I go, whoa, where did we go? Where did we end up? I don't have preaching all figured out. Thanks for keeping coming back every week as I sanctify through that process. But here's some things I do know about preaching. And I want to share them with you today. I think they come right here from this word, right? Here at Harvest, we're committed to preaching. We're committed to discipling preachers. We're committed to raising up heralds, messengers. But we're committed to preaching from the Bible, not just about the Bible, okay? A lot of people like come up, this is my pet peeve, and they'll set their Bible on the thing, and then they'll just start to preach. And they'll just say some stuff and some other stuff. And they'll throw some verses on the screen. And one of the reasons I have a flat table instead of a podium so that you can see that my Bible is open, that I'm teaching you right from the word of God. The power is in the word of God. In announcements, we say, hey, there's one authority in this place. You're going to want to have a Bible in your hands. And we believe this. It is right here. And so from the Bible, three points. Here they are. First one. We preach the word of God. You want to know what we preach? You want to know what we herald? You want to know what we proclaim? Right here it is. We preach the word of God. You're going to come. This is what you're going to get. You're going to get a meal from right here. We preach the word of God. You look at that verse one. He says, I charge you. That word charge means to command, to order, to insist. Paul's like, you know what, soldier? I'm going to die, but my one last dying request is this. Preach the word. Preach the word. And he's like, and in case that's not enough for you, let me put the screws down. Do you look what he says? In the presence of God. Are we in the presence of God right now? We sure are. The manifest presence of God. We believe that glory comes down in the church when the word of God is preached. Unapologetic preaching. It's what, the, what brings the glory. And as I preach this, I believe the manifest presence of God is in this place. I believe that God himself is speaking to you. It's not my words, but his words. And he commands him. It's not an option. We must preach. And then he screws it down. He says, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the judge, the living and the dead he's going to judge. You can't escape his judgment. You're going to see him face to face one day. He's going to say, well done, or get out of my face. At his appearing and at his kingdom. Basically, Paul's like tightening the screws. He's like, I charge you. I insist. I'm telling you, you must do this. And then he's like, crank, 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 crank. He's like, ah, I feel the pressure. I feel the weight of what you're asking me to do now. And then he says those words that you underlined earlier, preach the word, preach the word. This word preach, caruso, means to herald, to proclaim, to announce, to tell. And it stresses the gravity and authority of the message. A message we must obey. A message we must submit to. That's what it, that's what it is. This is a message I have to listen to. So are you listening? This is a message I must obey. Are you willing to obey it? 
preach the word. Not just any word. Preach the word of God. I wanted to explain this more to you. And so as I was reading the book, there's uh, several things in here that are really good. And so uh, on page 206, you can go look at it later when you have your own copy. Um, but uh, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of different things in here that um, he, he says about preaching. And so there's five questions that he answers. And I want to answer those questions for you right here. So five questions about preaching. Everybody ready? Five questions about preaching. Five. How many? Five. There's going to be five. That's true. And there are questions about what? Preaching. preaching. All right. I want to answer these questions about preaching. Here's the first one. What is preaching? It's to herald, right? It's to proclaim. It's to announce. It's, it's the herald that comes out of the king's palace with a note, and he opens it up, and he says, Hear ye! Hear ye! This is what our king says. He's our master. Right? And we must do what he says if we want to live in his kingdom. And that's what it is. It's publicly proclaiming the word of God. It's what he said he once said. It's heralding the message. What is preaching? It's proclaiming the word of God. Who do we preach? Who do we preach? Well, we got to scope in on that. So who do we preach? So uh, just humor me and, and uh, turn over to another passage. This is Paul actually talking about his preaching. And it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, just turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, let's just look at this really, really quick. Um, who do we preach? So, who do we preach? Like, There's a lot of things you could preach. Well, well let's read the passage. Uh, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, And I, when I came to you, this is to Corinth, brothers and sisters, did not come proclaiming, that's the same word, keruso, for preaching, proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I wasn't like, and God said that you should. You know, it wasn't like get the preacher voice on, just be a normal guy, right? But he did let us into something. He said the testimony of God, the word of God. So I came to you with the word of God. I just didn't do it in that way. I just didn't do it in all the preachy voice. I just gave you the word of God. This is the word of God. So if you, have you ever looked down the barrel of a gun and, and you, they got those really cool scopes where they can kind of scope and you're like, whoa, I can see the target. And then you can like flip it and you go, whoa, now I can really see the target. And then you can flip it again. And you're like bullseye. <laughs> There's no way I'm missing that. You know, that's what he's doing here in the passage. He says the testimony of God, the word of God. Okay. So that's the bigger target, right? And then he, and he says this, uh, for I decided to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ. Scoped in just a little bit more. And, and what does it say? And him crucified. Boom. Now we're on the bullseye. What I want to preach to you about is God's word, Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. It's called the gospel. That's what we preach. That's what we herald. That's what we stand on the street corner and say, you wouldn't believe it. I once was dead, lost in sin, but now I'm alive. And it's because Jesus came back to rescue me. You know, Adam screwed it all up and he passed it on down to me. And then after that, I was fully screwing it up myself. I was just like having a good time. And then I heard about Jesus, that he tried to buy me back and win me back, but that he wouldn't do it twisting my arm or making me do it, but that it was my own choice whether or not to come into fellowship with God or not. That's the gospel. And so I chose one day to submit to the blood of Jesus Christ, washing my sin, and to the life in Jesus Christ, which is freedom. Who do we preach? God's word, Jesus Christ, him crucified, right? That's what we preach. Just keep it really scoped in on that. We preach Jesus Christ crucified, buried and risen from the dead for us, for me, for you. Do you accept that? I pray you do. And then this third question, why do we preach? 
why do we preach? Preaching seems kind of foolish. If you, in Corinthians here, if you look back at uh, verses 17 and following, you can go read that later, but he talks about foolishness, foolishness, foolishness. It's the folly, and, and people don't really understand. Why am I here on the corner, like, saying this stuff about Jesus? They're like, get a better argument, man. Like, this is so foolish. Come up with a crafty plan, a sales strategy. Put out some brochures or something. Like, this is crazy. But why do we preach? Not to hear myself talk. I'm so sick of hearing myself talk by the end of two messages. Like, I'm glad we have two services. It makes me more sick of it, right? I don't want to talk another word. I'm like, done. But God has ordained that in the weakness of the messenger is the power of the message. You see it in verse three. And I was with you in weakness, physically tired, can't do it. And in fear and much trembling, fear and much trembling isn't he's afraid of the people. This is always used in scripture of fear of God. He's like, I don't want to screw up the message from the king. He gave me a message and I got to say it just so. So uh, uh, here it goes. Uh, uh. This is how he said it. So here's how I'm going to say it. And I got to tell you, I was more anxious to preach today than I may have ever been. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm talking about preaching. I know now, again, of being reminded that God is listening in too. And with fear and trembling, we preach. It keeps the messenger humble and dependent on God, his spirit. And that's where it should be. That's where it should be. Then this next question, how do we preach? How do we preach? Let me just read for you the rest of this. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, as in I didn't persuade you with this human argument, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Don't put your faith in me or my clever argument, or my little illustration, put your faith in the word of God. This is true. Look at it right there. It says that God wrote that. He wrote a book. He's speaking to me. How do we preach? Here's how we preach. We say what the Bible says. We say what the Bible says about what the Bible says. And then we help people understand it and bring it to bear on their life. We point out the application. We say, here it is. Let's walk in it. That's how we preach. Then this last thing, what happens when we preach as we flip over back to 2 Timothy chapter 4? What happens when we preach? What did it say there at the end? The power of God. Sin is exposed. You ever been in a message where I was preaching? I have no idea what sin you have in your life. And all of a sudden you're like, you're talking right to me. You're right in my business. You must know what I looked at on the internet. You must know what I did to my wife. You must know what I'm dealing with. You ever been like that? That's not me. That is the Holy Spirit in your life through the word of God. He's speaking to you in spite of me, in spite of what I'm saying. He's speaking to you because we're on it. What happens when we preach We warn sinners of consequences for sin. We encourage saints to obey and be righteous in their behavior. We offer help and freedom through the gospel. When we preach the word of God, it brings God's glory down. It brings God's glory down. People sense that God himself is speaking to them. And that, I mean, I can only say wow to that. Sometimes I just come to church and I'm like, man, I don't have a a very good word and and I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm just going to preach the word and and God works. And other times I'm like, man, I got something really clever to say today. I got all these things and like God really met with me this week. And you get kind of get proud and not humble where he wants you. And then then all of a sudden you're like stumbling through your words. You don't know what to say. And uh, uh. And people are like, all right, glad we came to that. Hope he gets his act together for next week. 
And I think this week as I've been studying, I've just been realizing that it's not about me, right? Which is a really good realization for a preacher. That's just get out of the way, let the lion out of its cage, preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. That's what we do here. I'm reminded of that. I'm grateful. When the man of God in the fear of God takes the word of God and proclaims the heart of God, that is the power of God coming down. That is the power of God coming down. It's from God, it's all we need, and it's powerful. Here's the second thing. We preach the authority of God's word without apology. That's actually one of our pillars. Proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. That's what we say every time you come to step one or step two or membership interview. We're saying, hey, everybody agree on this? Yep, this is what we decided. Yep, yep. We're going to proclaim the word of God. We're going to preach the word of God without apology. You see it here. Preach the word, verse two. Chapter four of Timothy, verse two. Preach the word of God. Then the next thing is, Be ready in season and out of season, whether it's popular or not, right? Whether it's convenient or inconvenient, be prepared. There's some urgency involved. I'm going to talk about that in the third point, so let me keep scooting. I'll come back to that. Verses three and four are all about that. And then he goes on to this word. What is it? What is the next word? Reprove. And then this word, what? Rebuke, I I like you saying it instead of me. And then this point, exhort, all right? So here's some things that we need to do. We need to reprove, we need to uh, rebuke, and we need to exhort. Did you know that Jesus was a preacher? We already talked about that, right? And he said some things. Did you know he said some things? Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 says, From this time, Jesus began to preach. You know what the time was? He came out of the wilderness. John the Baptist was, uh, you know, out there, and, and, and it, it, he, he was, he was uh, uh, going to be killed and all this stuff. And Jesus like, all right, it's my turn now. Like, I got to get preaching. So the, the time, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He used really, 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 everybody said? Really strong words. He used really strong words. And uh, in fact, in fact, uh, James in the book here uh, quotes a bunch of them, so I'm just going to read it from here. But uh, the number one thing people said about Jesus preaching, guess what it was? That he was loving? Nope. That he was relevant? Nope. That he was scholarly? Woo! Nope. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) No, it was none of that. It was none of that. Here's what it was, that he spoke with authority. Mark 1.22 says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Mark 1.27 says, And they were all amazed, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? We command, he commands even the unclean spirits to obey him. And then Luke 4.32 says, And they were astonished at his teaching. For his word possessed authority. Matthew 21, 23 says, The chief priests came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing this? By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? They challenged his authority. And then John 5, 27 And God has given the Son authority to execute judgment. And then this, in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just think about it. The number one thing they said about Jesus preaching, it came with authority. It was, thus says the Lord. It was this way, this way or the highway, right? You're either in the kingdom or you're not. This is it. This is the message from the king. That's how it was. He preached the authority of God's word without apology. So this word reprove means to correct error and to expose sin. This is hard to do. How many of you guys are in a small group? 
right? You ever want to reprove somebody? Yeah, I want to all the time, but I find it really hard to do it, right? I'm like, man, I don't think what they're doing is good, and I see him with that girl, and I think that's wrong, and I don't want him to do that, and I think he's going to get himself into trouble, and please, please don't do that, but I keep it all inside of me, right? Why? Because I'm scared to offend them, because I'm scared of what they're going to think of me. I'm not, it's not about you. It's about the word of God. So I'm giving you now permission, right, to herald, in a loving way, to herald the truth, right? Hey, bro, what you're doing is not good. Don't do that. I'm telling you, if we're not reproving anybody in our small group, we don't have healthy small groups. Because people are sinners, and what we're doing sometimes is not good. Do you understand? I'm not saying get on a witch hunt. I'm just saying when it rears its ugly head, when sin rears its ugly head, just go, hey, uncover it. Look it. I'm exposing the sin. What you're doing is not good. And then there's this word rebuke. It's another step past that where we warn sinners telling them to stop. So it's like, hey, I've already told you I think what you're doing is not good, but now I see you coming home too late. Are you like sleeping with that girl? Like what is going on exactly? You need to stop it. That's a rebuke, hey? And maybe somebody here needs to hear that. Maybe you're doing something in your life. You know what's wrong. Him to know what to do good and do it, does it not. To him it is sin, right? You know it's wrong, but yet you keep on going that way. The Spirit's tried to prompt you and prompt you to stop, but you've run all through that and you've grieved the Holy Spirit and you've quenched the Holy Spirit and the, the voice is getting so faint. You can hardly hear it. And you can't hear the voice of God anymore. When you can't hear the voice of God anymore, because you've quenched the spirit. What you need is the voice of a brother in your life to say, stop it! Don't do that! That is not good for you. Rebuke is hard. Without softening the blow, without hating the person, we hate sin. We hate sin. We don't hate people. We love people. That's why we tell them the truth. We hate sin. Sin is from Satan, and it is corrupting every one of us. And then this word exhort, to encourage the faithful, to urge right living, to stress godliness. It's like, you're doing it, come on, let's do it again this week. You've had, that's a whole week of reading the Bible. I can see in your life, look at you, let's do it again this week. Let's read the Bible together again this week. Let's go, let's go. It's a coach saying, well done to his players. Let's keep going. Let's not be satisfied. Let's win. Let's, let's run to receive the prize. And then he says here in the word, with complete patience and teaching. You know, I got to repent to you. Sometimes I get so frustrated as I preach the word, people don't respond. Sometimes I even say so to you guys because I'm so real. But I want to repent of that because I should not become frustrated. I shouldn't become frustrated. It says, the Bible says, and this is what's true, with complete patience, endure in the teaching. Complete patience and teaching. So I want to exhort us all, okay? This should all be done when you reprove someone, when you rebuke someone, when you exhort someone, and when I do it too, this should all be done with great endurance it's the long-term game and careful instruction of the truth. You understand? All right, now, maybe you'll get it if I say it this way. Uh, I've been to the movies. Anybody been to the movies? Yeah, it's good. I like movies. Um, it's kind of fun to like see a storyline and all that, but uh, I wouldn't want to center my life on movies, that's for sure. But, uh, but I've been to the movie theater enough times to know that one thing's really annoying, and it's the guy that's on his phone during the movie. He's like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm here. I paid money. I want to see the movie. I don't want to hear your problem with whatever you're dealing with. Right? You ever been in that situation? Anybody ever? Okay. So like, here, let's apply this, what I've talked about, to that guy. 
right? So, because then we can get it off of us and we can apply it to the guy in the movies who we all think is a moron, right? Because he's talking on his phone and, and like whatever. Okay, so first you reprove that guy and you go, shh, right? You expose, now the shh is probably louder than him. <laughs> so now you've exposed him to everybody in the room. You've exposed the sin. He's the moron. I just made it known, right? Just saying. And then, and then when he doesn't get the hint on that, which he should, right? Which we should when somebody reproves us. Then you go to rebuke and you're like, shut up! What's wrong with you? Shut your yipper! <laughs> Knock it off! I mean, that's what, I mean, that's kind of like, get a clue, bro. And you rebuke him, right? And then sometimes that doesn't even work. So you're like, I'll just take the encouraging route, right? So I'm just going to take the high road. I'm going to be like, hey, bro, like, dude, dude, dude. Like, when you come to a movie, it's just nice, polite. It's the right thing to just shut off your phone. They already shoot a video on that with a guy talking to his mom. You know, like, it's, it's just, it's the right thing to do to shut off your phone. Right? Just, just follow the rules. And you exhort him, right? And, and you do this all with complete patience, right? As in, I didn't throw my popcorn at him. I kept the popcorn in my lap. And I'm going to wait to see if he's going to figure it out. I didn't get up, grab him by the ear, and run him out the door. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> as best I can, trying to hold my composure here. Do you understand? That's what we're going for in the church. That's what we're going for. Willing to tell the guy at the movies. Are you willing to tell the guy at the movies? <laughs> yeah, I am. I don't know, maybe you're an introvert and you won't, but I will. I'm like, yeah, I'm talking to him. But here's the problem. It's so easy to talk to the guy at the movies that you don't know. But when it comes inside of our church, when it's family, when it's friends, when it's your neighbors, when it's your coworkers, when it's in real life, in your world, and you got to see that person again, it's a lot harder to preach the authority of God's word without apology. But I can tell you something here at Harvest, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we preach the authority of God's word without apology not going to apologize for preaching what God says in his word. And you shouldn't either. This third thing, we preach the truth of God's word with urgency. Back up to that phrase, be ready in season and out of season. Whether it's popular or not, we must be ready to proclaim the truth. Whether it's convenient or not, we have to be prepared to say the truth. So how do you prepare yourself well, you got to know the truth, right? You got to know the truth. So then you're kind of in a situation. Do I want to know the truth or not? And the Bible warns on that. So look at verses three and four. For the time is coming when people, point to who is a people. People. I'm a people. I'm a person. So he's talking about us. When people will make a choice, I'm going to listen to the word of God and heed it, or... People will not endure sound teaching, healthy doctrine, but having itching ears, kind of like a dog, okay, they will accumulate themselves for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. It's like, you know, you ever have a dog roll up to you, and if you itch his ears, he's like coming back for more and more and more and more and more. He's always coming back, right? That's what he's talking about. He's like, hey, somebody scratches your ears and it feels good, and you're like, oh, this is the church for me. I'll be back next week. <sighs> And then they scratch your ears again. And you're like, oh, this is such a church for me. This is like amazing. And then you roll over on your, you know, back and you're like, belly. And then they're like, uh, you know, and it's like, I love this church. I love this pastor. Please, pastor, just itch my like little spot again. And it's like, that's what he's talking about. It's kind of sick. <laughs> it's kind of sick that we would not have the fortitude, the, the discernment in our own, Right? as Christians, to be like, that's not it. That's not the word of God. You did not open your Bible. What is wrong with you, preacher? Get your Bible open. Teach me from the word of God what I need to do this week. So people accumulate teachers to shoot their own passions. I like what I hear. I like how it's said. I don't want to be ruffled. I don't want my feathers to be, uh, uh, or my undies to be in a bunch at all. I want to be good. 
and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. So they just turn away from the truth. They're like, I don't care. I don't care what God's word said. I got my own plan. And they wander off into myths. This is how things get started. They make up their own things. So we preach the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth of God's word with urgency. You say, why urgency? Because the time is running out. People are less likely today to listen to the truth than they were yesterday. And it's getting worse. A matter of fact, you here at this church are, by nature of the word of God, less likely to listen to the truth today than you were yesterday, apart from the Spirit. So are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? Are you listening or is God speaking and you're listening that way? Are you just like, man, yeah, it's good. I wonder where he's going to be done. He's got to be closing up soon. Like, are you thinking that? Or are you like, God, speak. Holy Spirit, speak. I need to hear. I need to know. I want to live like Jesus for you this week. Time is running out. People are turning away from the truth. I just wrote down five truths quick that uh, I believe God's people are turning away from what truths in God's word are we uh, not willing to obey, not really wanting to listen to. So I just wrote down a couple of things. The first one is forgiveness. How many of us live in unforgiveness? It's hard. I got to tell you, it's hard to offend me, but something gets in my craw and, and at least for like a day, I'm thinking about it. And then I can get over it, right? Just one good night's sleep and I'm done. But, but that's not what God asked. He said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So even the Lord's uh, prayer, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. What it means is forgive me like I'm forgiving other people. So how forgiving are you? Do you want God to forgive you like you're forgiving them? Is that how you want God to treat you? I just got to say, people don't want to hear this. It's in our back pocket. We're going to have several weeks on preaching this. One day, it hasn't been the right time. Might have to wait till we get in a building with all we want to do on it. But forgiveness is a huge principle in the word of God. And if you don't forgive, it's hard for me the word would back this up, to think that you can feel forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you don't understand the grace you have, you can't really embrace the gospel. Forgiveness. Gathering together. You know, it's just kind of in vogue now to come to church once in a while. <laughs> and uh, to come when it's convenient, to come when you're in town, uh, to come, you know, when I don't have something better, some better option. And so I just think this is one thing that we don't want to listen to. We don't want pastors to stand up and say, you need to be here every Sunday. This needs to be the most important thing on your schedule. And not to hear me speak, but because we're reminded today, God's going to speak to you. If I said to you, God wants to show up and talk to you at this time, at this place, what would you say to me? What would you say? I will be there. I beg you, tell me where and when. I will be there. I'll be there early, and I'll be there with my ears wide open, and he wants to speak. And I got to tell you, I don't think people want to hear that. Hebrews uh, says, don't neglect the meeting together, the assembling of yourselves together. Don't forsake it, right? as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, the day is getting closer. We need to be together and we need to hear from God. This third thing, generous giving, uh, giving in general, maybe even it starts. I know I preached this several times this summer uh, at other churches, but I preached it at our church. You can go listen to it. January 3rd it was, and I preached uh, generous giving and uh, it starts with 10%. It starts with the tithe, right? People don't want to hear that. People are like, I can't even get 10% to the church. There's no way. I can't get my budget. I'm just saying what God says. This is what God says. He says it's going to go better for you if you do this than if you don't. And it just starts with that 10%. And then it goes like this. 
giving generously, cheerfully. Like, there's a need, here you go. There's a need, here you go. Because when you give, God, God like, blesses. And, and there's, you'll have enough. He just says, you're going to have enough. Test me on it. And I just don't think people want to hear that, but I think it's something that needs to be stated again and again in our local churches. Then this, a truth we don't want to hear, serving, sacrificing in the church. To work for Christ, literally. I mean, we have this thing called Engage coming up, and I don't know what your schedule looks like on Saturday, and I'm not trying to beat you up, right? But I'm saying, I mean, if it's not a funeral or a wedding, just change your plans and come and engage, right? Serve the church, sacrifice, lay yourself down, because when we all lay ourselves down, something's better, right? There's a bigger mission than me. There's a bigger mission than, than you. There's a, it's called the church, and it's what God wants to use to save the world. And if we want to save the world, we all got to get in. I mean, we got to get in money-wise, sure, but we got to get in. Who cares about your money? If God doesn't have your heart, he doesn't care about your money. So we got to get in, like, physically. Time, talents get in. The treasure will follow. So serving and sacrificing, working for Christ, uh, Ephesians 4.16 is a great reference for that. When everyone works for Christ, does their role, the church builds itself up in love. Nobody has to affect it. Nobody has to build it. The church builds itself up in love when we all work and do our thing. And then this last thing, I guess you would know this was coming. When we preach the word, when we share or proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people, I don't think people want to hear that, that you need to go out this week and just like I'm preaching the gospel to you, you need to go out and preach the gospel to others. That you need to go out and, and if God gives you an opportunity, without being a jerk about it, just saying to your friends, like, dude, I met Jesus. And here's what he did in my life. And I want to tell you about him. And I'm praying that he'll do this awesome thing in your life. Do you want to know more? They're like, no. You're like, all right. They're like, yes. You're like, woo. Thank you, spirit. Open door. Let's tell him, right? I mean, you don't have to like, they say no. And you're like, well, you're a sinner going to hell. Like, shut your mouth. Don't bruise the fruit. It's not, it's not ripe. You did what you were supposed to do. You asked if they were interested. They're not interested. Okay, move on. Move on. So many times we wander off into myths. There's several myths we wander off into here. There's no Jesus. Jesus is dead. That's what atheists believe. Some people believe that. Some Christians act like that. There's a book out called Christian Atheist. And uh, it's true. We act like God's dead when we actually come to church and go, yeah, you're alive. But then we turn around with our life and act like he's dead. It's weird. And then there's this myth of the cruel Jesus, the one who uh, is demanding the ogre. I grew up with that Jesus. Like he was always going to strike me dead if I did this wrong, right? And that's a myth. God is not angry at you. He loves you. You're his child. If you ever had a child, do you know the affection you have for them? Him times 10 for you. Times 10. He loves you so much. Not cruel, Jesus. That's a myth. God's not angry. There's no disaster that he hasn't ordained, right? In a loving way to get the attention of his people back on him. And that's what happens usually. 9-11, everybody goes back to church. Then it's good and we're like, oh, I'll just go do my own thing. It's weird. It's just flat out weird. And then this last one, cool Jesus. All love and grace, yeah. Jesus is cool, he's my homeboy, you know? And I mean, that's just a myth, man. He is almighty God. His eyes are a flame of fire. They will pierce right through you. He can see through you. Sure, he loves you. He's not just your buddy or your rabbit's foot, right? He is God. He is God. You can't just do what you want to do. He's alive, he's loving, and he has a plan for you. You need to know this. You need to know this. Jesus came to earth to expose sin. He came to offer forgiveness, and he came uh, to give us freedom from sin. I just want to plead with you as a preacher today, as the message bearer, as the herald of the word, don't pass up the truth of that today. Don't walk out of here thinking some other thing than that God loves me supremely and he would do anything in his power, including sacrifice his own son on a cross 
let him be buried for three days, and then raise him from the dead in victory over sin and death, your sin and death, for you. Don't walk away from that truth today. I implore you, do not walk away from that truth today. Let's stand. Let's close our service with just a few action points if we could. Here's just a couple action points coming out of the message. If unashamed adoration brings down the glory and unapologetic preaching brings down the glory, then here, here's what I'm going to say. We need to attend the word of God. We need to attend the word of God. You need to be here. And you need to be ready, right? You need to attend the word of God. I'm asking you, take everything off your Sunday calendar unless it's uber important. Weddings, funerals, that's it. <laughs> attend the word of God. And then I'm asking you to do this, accept the word of God. You've listened so well today. I'm so appreciative. It's been long. Thank you for listening. Accept it now. Like, accept it. Like, I listened and, and test the word of God. When I preach it, make sure it's from the word, right? That's good. But then accept it. Accept it and trust it. And then this next thing, apply it. Apply it to your life. Apply it. What are you going to go do with this now? In your small group, are you going to reprove anybody? You've been like, ah, I've been scared to do it. Well, it's time. It's time. Right? It's time. It, it, when you come to church next week, when, you, when you're around your buddy at work and he, he says, anything that would just lead a breadcrumb trail to Jesus. Like, are you going to interject? Are you going to preach the word? Let's apply this message, the word of God to our life, obey it, and then let's appreciate it, right? Let's just appreciate the word of God. This is my Bible. This is God's love letter to me, right? Father, we do appreciate your word today. We love it. It is life and breath to us. It is the very word of God and it is proclaimed over us so that we might serve you better. Holy Spirit, speak and go with us. You've told us now, help us to live it out this week and every week by your grace. We love you, Father. You are wonderful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.